Good morning, Journey Church. How you feeling today? Come on. How you feeling? Hope you guys enjoyed your weekend. Super excited for the opportunity uh, to bring the message today. Our lead pastor, Mike Mazingo, he and his wife are celebrating the wedding of their oldest son this weekend. And so uh, I've been given the opportunity, yeah, I've been given the opportunity to, uh, to bring the message, and I'm so honored by that. I also just want to say, you, you did see an announcement for the prayer gathering, but we want you to be a part of that. That's how we're going to start our Easter weekend, if you will, uh, next Saturday at 8 a.m. at our schools, and then at 9 a.m. right here at church. So make plans to be a part. It is going to be, <clears throat> it's going to be an incredible weekend. Who's excited for Easter? Anybody in this place? Anyone watching online? Come on. Hey, let me also say this. Everyone goes to church on it uh, during Easter in the Bible Belt, all right? So we know that. So if you got someone that you have been trying to invite, this is the time to do that. Let me also say this and challenge those that are in this room that are followers of Jesus. You are light to a dark world. It is your job, opportunity, and obligation to share the light with those people around you that do not know Jesus. And you have a perfect opportunity for services. you got no excuses now. You can be a part of church. Amen? And so we want you guys to take that challenge. Do something with it. We have many, uh, we have a ton of ways that you can do that. You can share the website. You can text people. We have invite cards uh, readily available for you in the Welcome Center. So we're excited. We're working so hard. We have an incredible team that is working, it seems, lately, day and night to make Easter the best it can be for you, all of the visitors, and most importantly, Christ Jesus. So we're going to jump into, uh, let's do this, we're going to jump into the message. Let's pray first. Let's do that. God, um, we're so thankful, we're so grateful for the opportunity today uh, to get into your word. We're so thankful for the opportunity to partner with you in kingdom work. We're so grateful that you have brought us here in this room and those watching online. God, we know that it is your words, not man's words, that is heart changing and life changing. And so God, again, we dive into that. And we pray whatever goes forth today, uh, that it not return void, that it plants a seed in the hearts and the lives of all, all of those uh, in this room and again watching online all around the world. We're so grateful for the opportunity to hear the gospel in freedom. And we receive it in your name. We pray everyone said amen. So I've entitled this talk today, The Week That Changed the World. The Week That Changed the World. And the week that I'm talking about is Holy Week, and that actually starts today is Holy Week. This is the final week in the life of Jesus here on earth. And we're going to discover something through our talk today, and it's this thought right here. It's that a lot can change in a week. Amen? A lot can change in a week. In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine just a few days ago, and uh, he has an, uh, an elder member, a pastor, or excuse me, a, a member on his elder team. His name is John, um, where they're from, the state that they live in. It was spring break a couple of weeks ago. And they were getting ready. He, John and his family was getting ready to go uh, to spring break. And so they had set a vacation date for Friday and then the following week. So Monday, prior to that Friday, he woke up excited, right, because the vacation's coming, I'm pumped up, I get to go on vacation. So halfway through that day, he began to feel sick, and so he goes home to his wife, he says, I'm not feeling well, I'm going to try to rest it off. By that evening, he's completely white, pale, just feeling sick, and she calls the doctor. Doctors will tell you, the next appointment I have is on Wednesday. So you come on in Wednesday, and uh, and we'll get you guys checked out. So 
So John goes into the doctor on Wednesday, and the doctor says, hey, we'll check your blood, and we'll check, uh, you know, we'll do throat swabs. We'll do everything we can to get you guys ready for vacation. He says, it's going to take a little while to get the results back, so why don't you go home and rest, and then I'll call you with those results. So a few hours go by, Wednesday at about 6 p.m., or excuse me, 4 p.m., uh, the doctor calls John, says, you and your wife need to get back in the office right now. He's like, what are you talking about? Is, is this an emergency? He says, I'll talk to you when you get here. So John, his wife, get to the hospital or to get to the doctor's office. The doctor says, hey, we need to do surgery today. He goes, what are you talking about? So I'm thinking the way John's thinking. I've already paid for a vacation, and I'm going on it in a few days. So I'm not, can we not do this until like next week? And he goes, you have three arteries that are 98% clogged. And if you do not have surgery today, you may not be here tomorrow. So a lot can change in just a few days. In May of 2014, my wife and I were expecting our first child, our daughter Ava. She's eight now. And uh, we were expecting our first child. It's the end of the month of May. It's Monday the 26th, and I am just excited, right? Like, and we know that this baby's coming. We're pumped up about this baby coming. And uh, so I live my life. She lives her life. I'm a little more comfortable than my wife at that time, but it's not, you know, it is what it is. But um, <laughs> Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, it's a fun week. Everything's great, right? It's the same on those days as it was on Monday. But Saturday comes, and about, that, about 11 o'clock that afternoon, a newborn baby girl was placed into my arms, right? How beautiful is she? Now, here's the deal. Life turned upside down. I went into a hospital, and you gave me a human. Like, I'm in charge of this person now. Do you know me? I, I'm having a hard time with myself. I'm in charge of this person. It flipped. A lot can change in a week. By the way, any parents in here, just by raising your hands, that have newborns, like you're young in it, like, like 10 and under, anything like that? Yeah, you guys. Do you guys remember what it was like to sleep? That was incredible, right? It was cool, because I got an 8-year-old, a 3-year-old, and a 1-year-old, and none of them sleep. None of them sleep. How many parents do we have in here are just people who don't have children? Or maybe your kids are already grown or they're taking care of themselves and you sleep a lot. Anybody in here? Raise your hands. How dare you? I don't want to hear about your story. Can my wife and I stay with you tonight, please? Or my kids. Can they stay with you? That's better. <laughs> so a lot can change in a week. A lot can change in a week. And that was true when it comes to the life of Jesus, his last week here on earth. And we're going to be in the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, just to kind of help you understand. When the New Testament begins, we have these things called the gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's firsthand accounts of those men doing ministry with Jesus. And so they saw Jesus walking these things out. And the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, is so fast-paced and action-packed. Like Jesus is healing people, and then he feeds somebody, and he raised somebody from the dead, and he rebukes people. It's happening, it's happening, happening. And then all of a sudden, it slows way down. Just to kind of give you a visualization of what that looks like, in the first 10 chapters of Mark, it took three years. But in the last six, it covered eight days. It was almost like Mark was saying, hey, there was a lot going on in the ministry of Jesus in the first three years, and I wanted to cover as much as I possibly could for you, but these last eight days are going to change all of humanity. And so I need to slow down 
and I need to share everything that I can with you. And so Holy Week began on a Sunday, which has come to be known in this world as Palm Sunday. This was Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. This was a party. It was a big, big day. It's start to Holy Week. And so this is where we pick up in Mark chapter 10, verse 32. This is what it says. It says, they were now on the way up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. So I want you to remember the word walking, because we'll kind of come back to that here in just a second. He said, the disciples were filled with awe, and the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. It says, taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus once more. So this tells us, he's already said this several times to the disciples. He began to describe everything that was going to happen to him. So Jesus wanted to make it very clear why we are here. I recognize this is a party to you. I'm here to suffer and die for all of humanity. Jesus was on mission. He understood while he was there. I am here to suffer and die. I understand what you see, but recognize I'm here to suffer and die for all of humanity. He knew exactly what was coming. Verse 33 says this, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip and kill him. But after three days, mark my words, I will rise. Jesus will rise from the grave. So this is what Jesus, he's trying to make it very clear in reading this. Let's be, we see what's clear. He has pulled these guys and says, hey, it's going to, I'm, I'm going to die. They're going to brutally beat me. They're going to lie. They're going to hand me over. I'm going to be thrown into prison. I'm going to die on a cross. So you think they would know, the disciples would understand. Like, yeah, okay, we get it. But it's like they didn't. But who could blame them? Because for every person he healed and every miracle he performed, his popularity grew. It grew. He's at the height of his ministry. Jesus, what are you talking about? This is your coronation. You're coming. Everybody's celebrating you. I don't understand. What do you mean they're going to kill you? Most people believe that he was the Messiah, that he was the promised king and savior. And so, of course, the disciples are having an issue. I don't, I don't truly understand. Like, this is a celebration. These people are celebrating. They're behind you. And the religious leaders are afraid of you, as they should be. This is a big day. But Jesus takes them aside. Remember why I'm here. Remember what I have already told you. I am here to suffer and die for all of humanity. Jesus knew God's plan all along. And that plan was to send his only son to this earth to live a blameless life, to be condemned to death and thrown on a cross for us. And through that cross, our lives would be healed. Our broken lives would be healed. But before any of that could happen, he would have to be rejected. And this was the beginning of that rejection, and Jesus knew what was coming. 
So let me help you set the scene. Let's do this together, right? Let's set the scene of what's happening here. This is Jerusalem. Thousands of people have converged on Jerusalem. It's the start of Passover is about to begin. This is where the Jewish people celebrate their exodus from Egypt in the Old Testament, where God delivered them out of slavery from the Egyptian Pharaoh. This is the Super Bowl of parties, guys. This is a big deal. And now Jesus is about to enter the city. So this is what uh, chapter 11 says, verse 2. It says, go into that village over there. This is Jesus talking. As soon as you enter it, you're going to see a donkey, a young donkey tied there. No one has ever ridden. ridden. And I want you to untie it, and I want you to bring it here. Now, real quick, we just said that Jesus was walking to Jerusalem. Jesus walked everywhere that we know of. He walked everywhere. He walked slowly through crowds so he could minister to people. That's who he was. And so he walked everywhere. And now all of a sudden, you want to ride a donkey? That doesn't even make any sense. But you got to understand, Jesus had purpose for everything he did. He had purpose for everything he did. Because 500 years before this moment, there was a prophet, Zechariah, who said this in chapter 9, verse 9. He said, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Because this is a big deal. Every Jewish person in that city would know this prophecy. Jewish boys grew up reading these prophecies. They would know this by heart, recognizing that a Jewish king would now ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Here is our leader, our savior, ready to liberate us from the rotten Romans who are taking advantage of us. And this is Jesus saying, I am the long-awaited king. This is a big moment. So he had purpose for everything. But what kind of king was Jesus? And the donkey answers that question. Jesus was humble in royalty, all rolled into one. Because you and I know this even today. This is not how a king who is victorious rides into a city. This is not how they look. They flex their muscles when they come in. It looks a little bit like this. This is today's world. This is what they would look like. A white war horse coming into the city with golden chariots. Look at all of my military power and prestige. Flexing their muscles. That's what they would do. But not Jesus. Because Jesus is very clear that my kingdom is not about wealth. It is not about military power. It is not about prestige. My kingdom is about humility, servanthood, and love. And so King Jesus rides into the city of Jerusalem on a colt, on a donkey. Yes, I am here. I am your Savior. I am the long-awaited Messiah. But I am the servant king. I am here to serve you, to give my life as ransom for many. This is the difference between our king and every other king. The humility and the servanthood that comes with him. In Mark 11, verse 7 and 8, it says, Then they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their garments over it, and he sat on that. 
Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Now, when we do some research and when we look back, we see that a lot of times these leafy branches, when a king would come into a city, it would be a palm tree. And so these palm trees, they would go and they would cut the palm trees and the branches of a palm tree and they would lay them out. And people are laying their clothes and their cloaks out on the ground. Do you know what they're doing? They're rolling out the red carpet for a victorious king. We are finally, our king, our savior is here. He's coming. Everybody get ready. He's coming. And so they're rolling out the red carpets for a victorious savior, Jesus, the Messiah is here. This is why it's known as Palm Sunday, the re- rolling out the red carpet. The Bible also says in 9, verse 9 says, those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you know what they're saying? Our Savior has come. Our Savior's come. He's here. Tell everybody, guys, get out here. Let's celebrate. Our Savior has come. Verse 10 says, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Long live the king. Our savior has come. Long live the king. This is a party, guys. Jesus has entered the city. Hundreds of thousands of Jews are celebrating. Jewish people, long live the king. He is here to liberate us. Now imagine being a disciple. And you're just like in awe of what's happening. This is unbelievable. Nathaniel, look. Thomas, oh my gosh. Peter, this is crazy. This is for Jesus. We're kind of his posse, so this is for us too. But can you imagine looking over at Jesus? Jesus, do you see a... Jesus, why are you crying? Thomas, do you see? Do you know why he's crying? Did somebody hurt you? What's wrong? The Bible says that Jesus was weeping in the middle of this celebration. In the book of Luke chapter 19, this is what it says. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and he saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you, of all people, would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Jesus is crying. He is weeping. In that translation, in a, in a different translation... Weeping is sobbing. It is not a baby crying for its mommy. It is a sobbing Jesus like he has lost someone. He is sobbing in the middle of this celebration. Imagine being a disciple. What is wrong, Jesus? Why are you crying? Look at what's happened. This is for you. This is your crowning moment, your coronation. Why are you weeping? Because Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the heart of man. And he knew that a lot could change in a week, that the world could be turned upside down. He knew 
that in five days, the same people that are shouting, Hosanna, our Savior has come. Hosanna in the highest. Save us, Lord. Deliver us. Liberate us. We love you. In five days would scream, crucify him. Kill him. He's not the Savior we wanted. Give us Barabbas. He knew what was coming. He recognized as soon as the crowd realized that he wasn't the savior that was going to bring this revolution they so craved, they would turn on him and reject him. Because the message of Jesus is different than the message this crowd wanted. You've got enemies? I want you to love them. What? Someone hurt you? I want you to pray for them. What are you talking about? Pray for them. That's not, that's not what I want. Who is this guy? Jesus knew that these people wanted the way of the sword. They wanted the way of the sword. They wanted a leader, right? A strong leader that would come in, that would liberate us, that would kill the rotten Romans and run them off. Here is our Savior. But this was not the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus was humble servanthood and love. Why was Jesus crying? Why was he crying? Because he knew what was coming. Because even though this day started as a celebration, this week started as a celebration, he knew he couldn't be the Savior that people thought they wanted, but he knew he'd have to be the Savior you and I and those people needed. So what started as a celebration on Palm Sunday, he recognized would end with the death of a king on a cross for sins that he did not commit. It's your coronation, Jesus. Yeah, I know. But in about five days, they're going to hate you. He knew what was coming. That's why Jesus was crying. And when Jesus got to Jerusalem, not everybody was thrilled that he was there. Not everyone wanted him there. There were these religious leaders that were threatened by him, didn't like his message. One of those reasons, the reasons why people like Jesus is because he called these religious leaders out. He would call them snakes because you're taking advantage of people. And so they began to think, how can we get rid of Jesus? So on Tuesday, Mark chapter 14, verse 1, it's now the day, excuse me, it's now two days before Passover and the festival and unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, so the people may riot. So they're trying to do it secretly because they want everybody to freak out. They know what they are doing is wrong. 
and they recognize that. And so, hey, I, I can't, I got to do this secretly. Let's figure out a secret way to get rid of Jesus once and for all. I know. Guys, I got it. We're going to kill him. We're going to secretly capture him, and then we're going to kill him. That'll be it for Jesus. On Thursday, they would give 30 pieces of silver to one of Jesus' disciples, Judas, for Judas to turn Jesus over to them. Jesus was then arrested and taken to prison, and the gospel says that the disciples scattered, that Peter, the one who said, Jesus, I will never turn my back on you, I'll never deny you, even if everyone else does, turns around and denies he even knew Christ three times. Friday, Jesus would stand in front of Pilate in court, and Pilate would give in to political pressure and say, fine, I condemn him to death on a cross, and I'm going to give you Barabbas, a murderer. Here you go. And all of the people that were shouting on Sunday, Hosanna, it is our Savior. He's come. Look, are now shouting, kill him. Crucify him. He's challenged me. I don't want anything to do with it. Crucify him. And Jesus would be flogged 39 times across the back. A lot of theologians and historians believe that that whip had glass and bone and rock in it and would rip flesh from his body. The Bible said that he carried his own cross, that a crown of thorns was placed on his head, that he was nailed to the cross until he bled out. He took one last breath. He said his final words to Telestai, it is finished. What I have come here to do, what the Father sent me here to do, I have finished it. It's over. And he bowed his head, and he died. And then he was buried. And Saturday, it was silent. The religious leaders are celebrating, we killed him. We got rid of Jesus. Not recognizing that they are fulfilling the prophecy of a Messiah who would die and be buried. The enemy celebrating Jesus' death. Maybe even some of the disciples thinking, is this it? We gave our life. Is he gone? Is he never coming back? Is this it? They went back to what they knew. But thankfully, you and I know this was not the end of the story. That this is just the beginning. 
A week that started as the coronation of a king and a celebration of him entering the city would end with the death of a king on a cross. And when everyone thought it was over, we know Sunday is coming. We know Sunday is coming and mark my words, our Christ has risen. My favorite part of this entire story, this true story, is Jesus wept knowing what was coming. He knew what was coming. He knew that his disciples would scatter. He knew that the people that would shout Hosanna on Sunday would scream crucify him on Friday. He knew that all of us would mess up. He knew that we would turn our backs on him and reject him in some way throughout our life. But for all of humanity, humanity, he climbed on that cross and he was crucified and he died for us knowing that it was coming. And through that death, sin and death was broken. And through his resurrection and a relationship with him, you and I can receive new life. So a lot can change in a week. And so I need you to know that if you're in this place or you're watching online and you don't know this man, Jesus, who is real, the Christ, who lived a blameless life. He was the spotless lamb. He did ministry. He was condemned to die for sins, mine and yours. He was buried and he was resurrected. If you don't know him as your personal savior, a lot can change today. You don't have to wait until tomorrow. You don't have to wait until Easter. You can be new right now. And I need you to hear what I'm saying to you. There's no praying about that anymore. I need to go think about it. No, you don't. We need Jesus. And new life comes in a relationship with Him. And here at Journey, we'll help you with what comes next. But we cannot, we can't give your life to Jesus for you. Only you can do that. If we could bow our head and close our eyes for just a moment. If you're in this place today, say, hey, I I don't know... um, I don't think that I have a relationship with Jesus. I'm pretty sure that I don't. But I want to change that. I do. I really do. I want to change that if you're watching online. I really want to change that. If that's you, we want to help you with what comes next right now. This is the moment. This is the milestone. This is where everything can change. And I just want to lead you in a prayer. In a prayer, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, we got to openly declare, believe in our heart that He is the Son of God, that He died and rose again, that we openly declare that He is the Son of God, our life will be changed. And you can do that right now, me and you saying a prayer. I want to lead you through that. So if you're in this place, you go, hey, I'm ready to accept Jesus. Can you do me a favor? Can you just raise your hand? Just me and you, no one's looking around as high as you can get it. 
because I want to make sure that we're clear. If that's you, there's one right there. There's one right there. Come on. Anyone else before we say this prayer? For those that raise their hand, what the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. So right there, I want you to repeat this. Dear Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner, but I give my life to you. I know that you are the Son of God. I know that you died on a cross for my sins. But I also know that you were resurrected from that grave. Father, in this moment, I receive you as my Savior. From this moment forward, I am changed and new because of you. Now, if you said that prayer, listen, we have a team that is ready to receive you and talk with you and pray with you in the back of our worship center. I'm challenging you to take that next step. God, we're going to worship right now together as a church family. We're going to remember what your son Jesus did on the cross for us. We're going to worship you, and we're going to be thankful for the lives that are changed through the death, burial, and resurrection of your son Jesus. We're so grateful for what has happened in this place. In your name we pray. Everyone said amen. Hey, can we stand across this room? Come on, let's worship. Come on, let's worship, church.